Facenzi sto bello per gonda, all'insieme a splashivo, l'onzi shoot difensa. Difensa, shoot difensa, shoot difensa, shoot difensa, shoot. This is FNX. Listen to shoot the defense. It's unbelievable, Jeff. This is Giuliano Majorana. This is Leon Knight. Hey everyone, this is Sean Wheeler, better known as the Big Wheel. Yo, you're rolling with Ricketts and you're listening to Shooter's Defense. Yo, check out their show. This is uh, Tony Vidmar. Hi, this is Gabriel Marcotti and you're listening to Shoot the Defense. I'll find my song and I won't try this Hello and welcome to another special edition of Shoot the Defence. I am your host, Stel. I am joined by... It's uh, Mike Pieri. Hello, everyone. And it's John. Good evening. Good evening, gents. And tonight we have a very, very special guest. It's uh, an absolute pleasure to have this gentleman on the show. He's a former Crystal Palace player, an absolute legend, former Villa, former Spurs player, Millwall QPR. It is the one and only Andy Gray. Welcome to Shoot the Defence, sir. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing fine, thank you. What, what are you doing with yourself now? No, I just do a bit of agency work. Um, I opened up Right, Right, Right back in uh, 80, sorry, 1997 with uh, Tony Finnegan. Okay. And um, like we ran for about 10 years and then I went over to Sierra Leone. Okay, okay. Excellent. And that, that was when you were preparing to get qualified for the 2008 uh, African Nations, is that correct? Well, they were preparing. They just, I just got sort of like uh, bushwhacked into uh, <laughs> taking the job oh, that I vacated like ten minutes later. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> like that was fantastic. Well, too, Andy, before um, before we go into what you're doing now, um, tell us about your journey into football. Where, where were you discovered, so to speak? Were you uh, playing for a Sunday league side uh, for a school? Yeah, no, I was playing for South London and. Um, in them days, like, you were allowed to sort of, like, train at, like, as many professional clubs as, as you wanted. Okay. But um, all the other boys were being picked for, like, Arsenal, Chelsea, everywhere. And um, one day I got picked by Johnny Griffin, who I think he's still at the club now. All right. Um, and uh, I was there from I was 11. And then um, I, I missed out on getting an apprenticeship. Well, I, was, I was very unlucky to miss out getting the, uh, it used to be called apprenticeship then. And then, um, then I went to Brentford and then I got released by Brentford because I kept getting in late in the morning. Public transport. Yeah, weren't the best in them days, <laughs> in the 80s, <laughs> early 80s. Still the same, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I take it you ended up at, at Crystal Palace after, is that correct? Yeah, well, I went, I went into, uh, non-league but I, I, I sort of like gave up playing and I was playing for like the uh, the TV Times magazine at King's Cross on the AstroTurf okay and then um, basically um, a lot of the guys played for the old, old Tonians for the Corinthian casuals right okay 
And then um, I started playing with the TV commentators like Jerry Tyler, Martin, Ty Martin Tyler, um, uh, and all them guys. And basically, they, they all said to me, you're too good not to be a professional. Okay. So what, then, what did you do from then? Well, then we got into the FA Cup first round with uh, Dully Jamlet. No, sorry, Crimson Casual, sorry. Yep. And then and then all the team left to go to Dulwich Hamlet with Billy Smith. Right. And then um, that was in 84, because we 83 season we played in the FA Cup, first round. And then Steve Coppel became manager of Crystal Palace, and then we played a game pre-season at Tottenham. Okay. And Glenn Oddle, and Glenn Oddle watched me. Well, not watch me, but he's watching the game. And then apparently he went on the radio to say he's seen one of the best non-league players. Because I, I had a blinder that day. And, um, yeah, a couple heard it on the radio, coming back from scouting with uh, the late Ron Nodes. Okay. And, and um, yeah, they came to watch me and, and signed me for £2,000 and a, and a set of kit. Fantastic, brilliant. So what, what kind of uh, contract did you have at the time? Because we hear about these footballers on... Hundred grand, hundred twenty grand. You know, for 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 a youngster, what were you on? Uh, well, <laughs> back in the day, they were giving me hundred and fifty quid a week. Okay. Um, and that was as a pro, you know, right. hundred and fifty quid a week, and then like you were pulling up trees, and like you, you you'd go in there asking for like twenty five quid rises and all that, you know, but. But no, they got the best out of us for not, for absolutely nothing. Not like today's football. Yeah, they take it for granted a lot these days, don't they? Well, not so much they take it for granted. I mean, there's so much money in the game now that, you know, they don't know any better. Yeah. Fair point. Fair point indeed. Well, I'll tell you what, Andy, when, um, during your first stint at Palace, you made just under 100 appearances and that led to Graham Taylor signing you for Villa in 87. Um, I yeah. think Villa came second in Division 2 that season and they were promoted automatically with Millwall, was it? Millwall, yeah. We should have we won the title that year. We had the best, we had the best team. It was a bit of a nail-biting end to the season though, wasn't it? Because I think you drew at Swindon and then you needed Middlesbrough and Bradford to lose, which, which they did, and then that got you promotion. Is, is that right? No, we needed to not lose at, Sw uh, at Swindon. Right. So basically, a draw would have got us up because we played Bradford, um, I think, two weeks before and we beat them at home. Yeah, so basically, yeah, I mean, as long as we didn't lose, if we would have lost, then obviously, or, sorry, if we would have lost, then we wouldn't have, would have finished third. Have if the a, others would have won. That would have been a playoff place, wouldn't it? Do you know what? I don't even know if they had playoffs then. Because I, I think I think Palace I think the Palace a year later went got promoted through the playoffs and I beat I think they beat Blackburn over two legs in in the final because it, it wasn't a final a, a, a appearance at Wembley it was two it was a two legged final home and away um, yeah but that, that Villa team was was pretty decent I mean it, uh, Taylor mixed a lot of young players with experience like he, he had yourself Martin Keown Tony Daly and David Platt but they had experience with Nigel Spink I think Warren Aspinall was there as well wasn't he, he was a top scorer yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, Warren was there. Yeah, no, we had a no, we had a proper proper team. I mean, it was it was good, very good. What was the what was the um, the dressing room like at the time? Because as, as I said, you had a lot of experience in youth, and I think you lost, you lost uh, Mark Waters. He went to Rangers midway through the season, didn't he? Yeah, Wally left. Yeah, no, our dressing room was ph phenomenal. Um, 
just characters like on a on a Friday we used to sort of like go in Nigel Spinks's room and have have one can of Budweiser each, you know, uh, on a Friday night. And then when we used to play at home, we used to stay at the hotel on a Friday. So I would get in the hotel early, get into certain players' rooms, put uh, itching powder in the bed, <laughs> um, mess the toilets up. Just yeah, yeah, we had a great great dressing room. So, Andy, how did the transfer to Villa come about, anyway? Because, you know, Graham Taylor, he had got a bit of a reputation at Watford. Um, so, what, did, he, did he scout you? Was it a, a, a Villa scout no. that came to you? No, basically, like, I can say it now, they, they, they tapped me up, and um, at the time at Palace, um, as I said, the wages weren't the best, and you were, like, giving, giving performances, um, which were top performances, and... You know, they offered me, like, good money, but not, like, money. I mean, it was better. But, and, then, and, and you felt wanted. At Palace, in them days, it was like, here, yeah, we're giving you the chance, get on with it, which weren't a problem because, I mean, I was associated with the club since I was 11, so it weren't a problem. But, but no, it just sort of, like, made me feel that I, I arrived, you know? Right, right. So, so between the time that you you, were joined, you joined Palace and then you went to Villa, did, did you have any influences there? Did, did you have any coaches or any members of, of staff that you could say, you know, they helped me with my progression and anything like that? <laughs> um, I, I think Steve Harrison, who then came to Palace, he, he kind of um, helped me a bit. But I'm not trying to be sort of like big-headed, but I think my game was just natural. You know, I've just done things... Like naturally, so it was hard for me to go on to, to stay out on the practice ground mm-hmm. because I, I could do it, you know. And and in hindsight, that was a wrong thing because a bad player, well, when I say not so, uh, not so much a good player, would stay out and stay out and make himself better and better. Right. But because I was so natural, you know, I should have stayed out because I would have even been even better. I mean, like, like, listen, not for one minute I look at my career and think, yeah, I, I ticked all the boxes and I fulfilled what I should have done. I didn't because, you know, I just had that that sort of like um, maverick way about me. Right. So so which player do you, do you think influenced you the most? I mean, when you were growing up as a kid, which player did you watch and you thought, and you thought I want to be like him? Because you became a central midfielder. Um, so Yeah, Vince Allaire. He was at Portsmouth, wasn't he, Vince Hilaire? No, he was at Palace. Palace. But didn't he play at Portsmouth as well, or not? Yeah, but I didn't want to be with him. I didn't want to be like Vince Hilaire when he was at uh, Portsmouth. Oh, OK. Oh, just... Got you, got you. <laughs> Excellent. So, you were at Villa, um, and then you ended up at QPR. How, how did that all come about? Yeah, again, I got tapped up again by Trevor Francis on the pitch. <laughs> on the pitch? <laughs> on the pitch. We were playing, he said, and then... Um, I think we beat him and he said to me, do you want to come back home? I said, yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so would you have joined them if, if they had that plastic pitch? Or is it just like the fact that you, you wanted to come home? No, I would have joined them, yeah. I would have, would have joined them if they had a swimming pool. <laughs> <laughs> is it literally just about returning to London, Andy? No, it was, no I mean, that was a bit flippant saying that. No, it, was, it, it just... As I said, like I'm like a, I was like a Rolling Stone as a player, you know. It's like, and you know, I always wanted to be at Palace for for the rest of my career, you know. But certain things happened, and 
like I'm hard headed and you know I just had to prove a point as a footballer. Do you know what I mean? Because it wasn't about money in them days. You know, it's about going out there and performing. And I'd done that. You know, even I, I mean I don't know how many games I actually did play for the Palace in the end, but at the end of the day, my boy can like look in history and say, well, my dad was in the the, the centenary team of Crystal Palace. And it's there, it's there for forever, isn't it? So, so when you went to Palace, when you went back to Palace for you know that 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 stint over in the in the early nineties, eighty nine to ninety two, was that was that the happiest period of your career, happiest time at Palace? Yeah, because yeah, because I, I came back a man, right? And um, and um, you know the respect I wanted, I got that because they they wound up spent in a lot of money for me to come from Queen's Park Rangers back to Palace and um, I, I was on fire and everything was just happening naturally every week every week I was putting in performances but you know what happened to me when I got picked for England something in my head like and especially like all the that Jimmy Jimmy or whatever saying things and then people saying I missed that chance well, to put the record straight, it, the, the, it was offside. So even if I did score that goal, it would have been offside. Right. So let me get, get that one out, you know what I mean? So everyone can sort of like... But when he dragged me off after 45 minutes, he, he, he dragged... He, he, well, he left a bit of my soul in Poznan. Right. And um, I was never the same. Never the same. This, Never this, the same. This is, this is Graham Telly you're talking about, right? Because he, he, he's, yeah. he's the one that yeah. gave you a debut in, in that game. So... Obviously, he knew what you were about because he managed you at, at Aston Villa. What What was it like? Did you Did you receive a phone call like you hear it these days? Like you know, footballers, oh, I received a phone call from the manager. No. Like, you know, but what was it? No, like? it's funny. It was yet again another quirky thing. We played Liverpool, um, and we beat them two one. And all of a sudden, he's in the boot room, and uh, I got called to the boot room. Right. And then he said, uh, "Right, listen, I'm picking you in the next squad. Keep it quiet." And you'll be playing. Wow. <laughs> wow. Amazing. So, uh, but, you know, but you know the funny thing about it, especially the, the way um, this 15 minute of fame is now with uh, non-celebrities, like becoming celebrities with no talent. My phone, when it, when it was announced that um, I got picked for England, I swear to God, my phone was like ringing. It didn't stop. It was like 24-7. It was like for that Six, seven hours, it like put the phone down, rang, 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 rang. And it's funny, when I got back and I didn't do so well, which I didn't think I'd do so that phone never rang. Yeah, People no. saying, oh, I'm lucky. <laughs> so that, that's the nature of the business. It Absolutely. is. Um, just want to um, progress it a little bit forward to the, um, the 1990 and the, the semi-final and the final and that team there, you know, the, the Palace team. I mean, you played with some top players. You had Nigel Mining, Gold, John Pemberton, Richard Shaw, um, Barber, Jeff Thomas, Mark Wright, Ian Wright, John Salak. I mean, reeling those names off. That was a top team. How, did, how, how was it playing in a team like that? What was the, what was the dressing room like? What's training like? You know, how, how was it? Give us an insight. Well, the insight with that, and they all tell you, I was the governor. Right. <laughs> Everybody sort of like uh, pandered to my to my beat, you know, like it or not, but they did. And, um, you know, and I lived by the sword and I died by it. So I had to be on blog to do what I 
to do what I'd done and to get away with things, you know, because no one would say to Steve Coppel, oh, well, how comes Andy can come in late or how comes Andy can do this and do that? Well, Steve would say, well, he's performing. When he's not performing, (laughs) (laughs) then we can put him in a box, but that never (laughs) happened. What about the rumours of a, a, a fight that you had or um, a disagreement with Marco Gabbiadini? No, nah, well, I'll put the record straight there. Never had a fight. Uh, we was never in any uh, shape or form going to have a fight. I told him to stop coming in and talking about Worthington's bitter <laughs> in the swizzle and talking about West End shows. That's all I said to him. Because at the end of the day, he used to come in training, oh, I went to see this show, and uh, blah, and, and he weren't even performing. So why were you going up the West End, watching, like, Broadway shows, and you, you can't even score for the Palace? So I was just telling him straight. Because he was brought in to replace Ian Wright, wasn't he? And that, that wasn't a particularly great signing, was it? Right, a terrible signing. Andy, just want to, you know, you said that you were the governor and, um, you know, as I said, you're, you're, you're a Palace favourite. You were known as a hard man who could also play a bit too. Um, do you remember a match against Derby County? It was, a, it was an evening match and it was at home and a Derby player went sliding in studs up on you and you stood over him with your foot hovering above his head, you know, almost ready to stamp on his face and the, and the guy was quivering in fear and you stopped yourself because you did. Now, did you have a temper, and did that ever manifest itself? And were there any moments where you said, you know what, I actually regret that? Uh, you know, you know, the, no, no, no. Uh, I, 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 yeah, I, I wouldn't say that I've got a temper. I've got a fair temper. I don't mind somebody 50-50 or 60-40. I, I, I don't mind that, do you know what I mean, against me. Um, but, but I think the one regret I had was, when we played Chelsea and Wisey, um, really, I should have I should have chinned him. I would have rather have chinned him <laughs> than than be sent off for basically, you know, flapping his 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 little size five feet away from me. You know. <laughs> so was it was it? There was a rumor that you actually did chin him in the tunnel. Is that not true? No, I didn't. No, I didn't chin him in the tunnel. I just sort of like grabbed him in the tunnel. You know what I mean? Can you imagine if I would have? The guy would have been like me and him. Like there's no contest. You know what I mean? So no, I'm not going to uh, uh, answer that question. Yeah, yeah, I did chin him and blah. No, 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 I didn't. I just grabbed him. Oh, I think that's, disappo- that's disappointed a few listeners. I think. I think they would have preferred it if you did chin him. <laughs> well, Andy, I tell you what. That that 89-90 season was was a roller coaster ride for for Palace. I mean, you, you lost nine 0 to Liverpool in in September, and then. You beat them in the FA Cup semi-final. That that t- let me take you back to that night at Anfield. Can you repeat what Steve Coppel said to you guys in the dressing room after the game? We played well. Yeah. Got, to be quite honest, we played well. What you've got to remember that night they had eleven technicians, right? Top technicians, or yeah. say twelve of them, right? They were all on blob. Yeah. So even our best game. When you're playing against someone who then plays their best game, that was it. Yeah. Everything they everything they, they, they struck, they got gold. But listen, yeah, we lost 9-0. But then the, the game after that, we played Southampton and we drew, I think, 1-1. That's right. 
So the history books will say that we lost 9-0, but we became even stronger as a team for that episode. That's right, because you, you drew out Southampton, then you beat Forest and Everton, which is, which is quite impressive, because teams that usually get a tonking don't usually bounce back straight, but you did. That, that's, that was, what, seven points out of possible nine? Was yeah. It, or was it two points for a win back then? I can't remember. It was three points. Yeah, I think it's two. Yeah. Yeah. But, well, I mean, that, like I said, that season, um, Palace created a lot of records, one being the signing of Nigel Martin. He became the first million-pound goalkeeper. Um, you played alongside some fantastic goalkeepers like Nigel Spink and, and, and uh, Nigel Martin. How high do you rate, or did you rate Nigel Martin? Because we know we, we saw him when he got for Leeds, for England. How good was he back then? Yeah, you knew he was always going to go to the top. He was just basically w- warming up at, um, as a goalkeeper, you know. And uh, it was a great stepping stone to uh, to be at Palace. And uh, yeah, he, he, he achieved... He, he got to his, his uh, maximum. And he would have went on further if he didn't have the injury. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. So, come on, tell, tell us about that semi-final because we're, we're dying to, to, to listen. I mean, Mike, Mike t- told me before that, you know, his, his brother's a Liverpool fan and he was going absolutely potty when you scored and, and, and when Pardew scored as well. So, so, talk us about that game at Villa Park. Well, to be quite honest with you, like, the build-up was... Uh, the build-up was... Um, Really, really casual, and um, we went up, stayed over the weekend, like Friday, trained Saturday, I think, uh, at Villa, and um, we just basically just felt good, you know. There was no, there was no pressure on us. I mean, psychologically, when a side beats you nine nil three or four months before. And obviously, like, you know, they're not going to be thinking, oh, these guys can win. Even, like, you know, they think, well, maybe we'll get two or three against them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, I think the world writ us off. But we believed, you know. So what didn't help as well was the fact when Rushy scored in the first three, four minutes. Right. But then, um, but don't forget, we had, like, kind of a, a bridge team. Because right, he was injured. Um... I was playing out wide, but then, like, sort of, like, helping Mark up front. Right. So, you know, we were prepared for a shift. Right. And, um, yeah, the game, and then come out, the half-time talk is, Steve said, listen, we're still in this game, we're only one nil up. And I think before Steve even sat down, we scored, made it 1-1. That was that great run from Pemberton, wasn't it, down the right? Yeah, yeah, straight from the kickoff, bang, and uh, the goal, and that was it. That, that that completely just changed the mood, you know. It was like whoa, like like and, and something special is going to happen here, you know. And um, yeah, we just like kept at um, like we became the, the the eleven technicians, you know what I mean. And no matter what they threw at us, we just came back at them. What's the history books will obviously will say that you know you went on and, and didn't win the final, but in, in terms of the his, historical context, people look at that game and say that was the game where the great Liverpool history, the dynasty, where they're winning, winning title after title, European yeah. Cups, winning trophies, it ended that day. You lot broke that myth. Does that did that give you some sort of sense of pride? Well, you know what, I haven't really looked like I'm fifty now, fifty one next next month, and I haven't really 
you know, sat down and thought, bloody hell, I've, I've done this, you know, like I was a part, I haven't really sat down and thought of that. But for me, that is the greatest semi-final in history. And until somebody plays a game better than that in this modern day football, then I'll have to see it. I mean, for me growing up, I mean, you know, me and Stella United fans, but, uh, and, um, so, you know, that was a special year anyway. But I remember sitting as a, you know, I was a 16 year old. I was at home watching the game with my brother. I think my dad came to see the second match with us as well. Both games are shown on the same, t- um, you know, back to back. And you watch the first game and you're exhausted. And in the second game, the United Oldham game, that was a good game as well. Didn't beat the, um, the, uh, the, the Palace game. That was an amazing day of football. And the FA Cups lost something. What, 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 how, how do you see it nowadays? I mean, Spurs played Burnley last night and the ground was half empty. How do you see yeah, it? Yeah, but I, I see it. There's, there's, too, there's too much money floating around the game and there's too much, te- there's too much football on TV. Mm. They even put Sunday League football on TV. What the hell? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, you, you used to have to be, to get a live game, you used to be having to be doing very, very well. Yeah. And then like, it'd be the highlights. This is just too much football. I mean, like, like say the championship, even that gets like as much coverage, well, a little bit less coverage than uh, the, the premiership. Mm. That's right. Absolutely. So, Andy, um, I know reaching the FA Cup final and, and beating Liverpool in the semi-final, I, I assume they're your fondest memories of your, your Crystal Palace career, but what else stands out in your mind as, as a player at Palace? At Palace? Yeah. Or in general, if you like. You know, you know what stands out for me the most? I was there when they got promoted in 79. Okay. And I was in the dressing room, and there's pictures of me sitting next to Billy Gilbert. So to think, all them years later, I was actually, that used to be where he was sitting, that's when, when before the ground got redeveloped, that, that was my peg right. for own matches. So something as little as that, 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 that to me is like the making of it for me. The fact that I was there as a kid, you know what I mean? And dreams do come true. No matter what anyone says, dreams do come true. So I'm testament to that. Absolutely. And you just got to you just got to follow your beliefs. You know, there's going to be ups and downs, but you know, if you believe that you can do something, trust me. With a little bit of luck, it happens. Absolutely, Andy. The the late Ron Nodes, you mentioned him earlier. I mean, he was a major factor in Palace's success, but people don't realise that he was actually a qualified coach. Did he ever come to training? Did he ever work with Steve Koppel, or was he, you know, just literally the money man, the man behind the scenes? <clears throat> No, Ron Nodes was an innovator. He got a bunch of lads, he went scouting with the manager and he gave people a gave people a chance. He didn't he didn't he didn't do it through his wallet. Right. So basically what he would say, right, listen, I'm giving you the chance there, I'll buy you for twenty five grand and let's see if you can turn out to be a seven hundred grand player. Mm. That's the figure in them days. Mm. And, and he, he, go on, sorry. And, yeah. and he, he hit every button because basically 
for the success that he had at that club and the amount of money he spent that could never be achieved. Hmm. I mean, he always was very complimentary of you. I mean, in 1990, he was accused, uh, there was a Channel 4 documentary recall where he was accused of being, of being racist. And, um, you know, he claimed he was stitched up and that the quotes were taken out of context. But he always maintained that you were the only black player to stand by him during his allegations. Do you remember much about yeah. the incident? Yeah, yeah, I do, because Ron, Ron Nose wasn't a racist. Ron Nose was a lovely man, and he, listen, he, he didn't have that in his bones, you know what I mean? Mm. That, that, was more, that was more political for certain players looking to get away. They used it as an excuse. Mm. No, it's nice to hear, nice to hear. And finally, um, from me, in terms of your, your, your Palace career, um, some Palace fans seem to recall that you know, there, was a, there was a spell when you deliberately never passed Eddie McGoldrick. Was that true? <laughs> no, nah, I love Eddie. No, nah, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. all right. I used to feed all the wingers. I used to just spray it wide to all the wingers. Yeah. Fantastic. Brilliant. Well, Andy, you then moved over to, well, you went to the lane, didn't you, at Spurs? And was it Terry Venables that signed you? Yeah, yeah. How, how did that come about then? Because you know that's that that's a, that was a future England manager. He, he was the manager of Barcelona. That that must be some some uh, achievement there to be signed up by him. Yeah, but it's funny because Terry Venables knew me when I was eleven. He used to drop me off at Clapham Common. All right, after okay. training. Wow! Like in the school times. So I've had an affiliation with uh, Terry Venables since I was eleven. So he's, he's known about me. And um, yeah, so yeah, it was it was good. And what was your? What's but, your... I, but, I, but I wasn't good at Tottenham, though. That was the thing. Right. The only play, the only the only team I played my best football for was the Palace. Right. So what was the what was the what was the, the issue at Tottenham? Then why were you not playing to your your normal standards? Just there was a back of like coming from the England thing and. Um, you know, I thought, well, listen, if I get a change, I thought I would, like, like get myself going again. But I just tried. When, when, you're, when you do something naturally and you start trying, well, I didn't know how to try it. <laughs> well, you mentioned earlier that um, there's some things that you, um, you, you, you didn't achieve in football that you wish you, you had. Is, is Spurs one of those things? Um. To be quite honest with you, I should have went to Spurs because Venables tried to buy me um, when when I played for the under-21s with Paul Gascoigne and um, uh, Paul Stewart. Okay. And, and uh, uh, Graham Taylor wouldn't sell me in that summer. So basically, I went there three years too late. If I would have went there that summer, it would have been a different story. Fair enough. So, you left Spurs, I believe you went to Swindon Town on loan, and then you ended up in yeah. Marbella. How, how, how did that come about? I was completely gone. Mentally, I was gone. I, I, I would have went, went to Mecca to play, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And, and, yeah, no, I was gone. I mean, I was a lost soul, to be quite honest with you. Just, yeah, like, yeah, I am strong, but, you know, when your mind goes, you just do silly things, and I just just went places because people said, "Yeah, do that. That'd be good for you." They got paid, and uh, I was a, a stuffer. So, mm. 
that's life, you know. Was it a confidence thing or bad advice? What do you mean? Well, no, I just think my my confidence was was gone, and like I'm one of them. I was one of them people that basically just get me out of there. You know what I mean? Instead of like, I didn't have that fight anymore, which is sad to say, you know, because if I look at some of the games I played, it was all about fight. So the motivation was missing as well. Sorry, the motivation was missing as well. Yeah, yeah. I think once once you lose that, you know that that kind of killer instinct, then you're on a slippery slope. Sure. You're just playing on. You're trying to play on memory. A bit like Tiger Woods, he was brilliant when he was banging everyone. You know what I mean? And when he got yeah. caught, all of a sudden he can't he can't hit a ball. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, Andy, you, you're, well, one of your last clubs was Falkirk, and I believe you played in the '97 Scottish FA Cup final. That you played in two cup finals in your career. Um, I'm not going to ask which one was was the the, the yeah. best, but was it a similar experience or a similar feeling? Would you say, or is it just stepping out of Wembley completely different? Yeah, completely different. You can't you can't compare the two. Mm. You can't compare the two. I mean, <clears throat> when you're a child growing up, you don't you don't talk about the Scottish Cup final, do you? No. no. Yeah. Andy, on 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 that Cup final, I mean, um, you know, I, I remember uh, watching it and um, you know, quite quite vivid memories. The first game was really open. You know, Palace was superb. You know, they, they played quite expansive. They conceded goals, but they scored goals. But the second game. Um, just felt that Palace, you know, not put their foot in a bit more or were a bit, were a bit harder, but it was a different style of play. Was that conscious? Did Steve Koppel send you guys out with a different set of instructions for the replay? Yeah, we wasn't, we wasn't as free. I, I just think, I just think the season, that, that game was, was, was a game too far. You know, that, 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 um, the, that second game, the first game we should have won it, you know. Um, I think we were the better side. We should have won it. And but listen, as I said, when the, their experience come into the fold in that in the, the ultimate game of the season. So, but listen, at the end of the day, we got there. Um, we gave the fans two two trips to Wembley in the cup final. You can't ask for no more than that. Mm, I mean, I think that Palace team is a team that you know anyone of. of, of and I'm 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 41 this year. You know, you're you're 51. You know, you know people of that that age, 40 or 50, will always remember that Palace team as yeah, they, you know that that they were even though they're runners up, they made that that they made the FA Cup that season. You know, yes, it was Ferguson's first trophy at United, but Palace made the FA Cup run that season, and you don't really get that a lot with them, the runners up in in in, um, in the FA Cups and in cup competitions. And you know, it's credit to you you and your teammates. I thought you know you know well done and. Yeah, you know, it was a moment and you, you guys should be proud of that. Yeah, I mean, listen, at the end of the day, getting to the... To me, the, the final should have been the semi-final because it had everything, you know what I mean? Everything um, what a game should have, do you know what I mean? Two sides going hammer and tongue at each other, not talking about formations and, uh, you know, just... just and, and, and the pitch, you know, bumpy pitch, so... Everything, just have everything. Like today's football is like, it's kind of like manufactured. You know what I mean? And you know, it's, you know, and for me, the game is still giving people chances. You know, mm. if you if you buy someone for fifty million, he's not he's not guaranteed to be in the ground running, is he? Yeah, no, that's all. Before we um, go to some questions from our group page from some of our listeners, I just want to ask you a question. Um, 
Uh, Favourite goal in your career? I mean, I, I seem to remember a free kick before the cup final against um, City. That was pretty special. But are there any others that stick in the mind? Yeah, against uh, Man City again. I think it was in 84-85 season. It was like a, it was like a, like a overhead kick. And uh, the, the, the photographer, Nigel, won photo of the year for it. Oh, wow. Okay. Might have to look that up on, might have to Google that to have a look. Yeah, that was, my, that was uh, one of my best goals, I think. Great. Andy, you, you said earlier that you were the governor. How did you feel about uh, Glad All Over being the official FA Cup final song and then Palace are actually still playing it now, which is quite impressive? I don't really know because I didn't, I, I didn't really take too... I didn't take part in the song. Oh, that right. stuff, really. <laughs> well, I, I know Ian Wright was a, was a like liked a good sing song, especially when he was at the Arsenal. He said he's singing the FA Cup final song, so I thought he might be the same when he was at Palace. No, like no, I'm I'm, I'm ready. For, I was ready for work. I'm not. I'm not into the show business. <laughs> Fair enough. Excellent. Well, um, got a few questions from the Facebook group page. If you don't mind, Daddy. Um, uh, Ryan, who is head of the FNX network, he basically wants to ask, what do you view as an in inverted commas future football? And if any teams you watch are playing this style yet are on the path of doing so. And I think he means future football in the sense that, you know, the, you know you've got this new style of play with, you know, 3-5-2 from Van Gaal and Guardiola's vision. What, what do you see as a, a new style of football? Listen, they haven't invented a new will for football. At the end of the day, you've got to score goals. So goals, goals win your matches. So the quicker you get the ball in the box, the quicker you score. So all these so-called fancy uh, uh, formations, I look at them and I think, well, you're not going to score many goals in a month of Sundays. For me, 4-4-2, up and down, Two wingers, get it out wide to them. They run the full-backs, get the crosses in for the two centre-forwards to uh, crisscross, end the story. Excellent, excellent. Well, Ben asked a question which, which we stepped on before earlier about the whole racism thing. But you, you played during the 80s um, and racism, yeah. hooligan were, were, hooliganism yeah. were rife in English football. Now, did you experience any racism and did you witness any serious hooliganism? Oh, yeah, of course you did, but I, I did. And uh, the racism, yeah, but I think now it's, 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 been, it's, it's blown out of proportion because at the end of the day, I was born in 64. So growing up in the 70s as a black kid, um, yeah, you, you saw it all the time. But at the end of the day, a lot of people are making money from the fact that this racism lark, they're not doing it for free. Right, right. It's fair enough. It's fair enough. And how about the whole the whole hooliganism thing? Did you go to any any grounds? I know you played at Millwall for a bit. Did you did you notice anything there? No, not when I no, because I was at the back end. It, like the the, the hooliganism, hooliganism kind of like. Um, Faded out, but no, 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 Millwall, they were like every back in, in, uh, in the eighties. Um, yeah, you saw it, but at the end of the day, it never really got onto the pitch, did it? Only at, I suppose, Luton in the cup, uh, in a cup match. Right. Yeah, loads of seats got on the pitch as well that night, weren't they? That was quite annoying. Yeah. Yeah. 
Brilliant. Well, Nicky's asked a question. It's regarding your mate Jeff Thomas. Um, he, he missed a chance at Wembley um, where he tried to was it? He tried to chip the goalkeeper, wasn't it? And that didn't go yeah. too right. I mean, you, you mentioned your your unfortunate experience for England. Now, Jeff Thomas does a lot of charity work at the moment, doesn't he? Um, and that that didn't. Did, do you think that affected him as such? That miss? Do you think that that affected his career? No, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Um, just a good guy. Um, thank God that he beat, he's beaten um, the cancer. That's right, yeah. And, you know, he's dedicated his time now to do lots of races, to raise money for the calls. So, yeah, that, that, that's all what matters. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, our mate Kip, who um, told us about your shop in uh, Tooting Market, he, he, he wants us to give it a quick mention. Now, he bought his first pair of football boots at that, at that shop of yours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, Andy Gray Sports, yeah, another one of my wonderful ideas, but um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I bet I gave him a discount too. <laughs> Tell you what, I, I saw Kip play when he was when he was younger, and he, he was a good footballer, he very nearly made it, so um, he'll, he'll be happy I said that, and I, and I know that he, you know, he, he still lives in South London himself, we, you know, we grew up in South London together. Okay, good. Excellent. Andy, who was the best player you ever played against? Paul Gaston. Gaza, was that? Yeah, Gaza, yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty fair. <laughs> <laughs> no what what, what that. was it about him, Andy? Was it was it his, was it just his skill? Was it his, his energy? What, what was it? No, everything, everything. Um, it's funny because when Venable signed me, he said that one of the main reasons why I signed you is because you had Gaza in your pocket. Wow. And yeah, and I think that, that was the day when we, we had a, we played in that uh, Sellers Park, and uh, uh, I was rocking with David Owls. Um, yeah, we I think I had a little bit of a barney with David Owls um, at the side near the halfway line. Um, yeah, so yeah, full gas point, full gas point. Excellent. Well, I'll tell you what, I've got a final question, and you you can tell me where to go if if, if you don't want to answer it, but. Any funny anecdotes? I suppose the, the funniest one for me was when um, it was freezing cold one training session and um, we used to have the kids in uh, at Mitcham like on a Tuesday on a Thursday. Well, this Thursday it was absolutely freezing and um, basically I wore, I wore a sheepskin to train. <laughs> <laughs> like, like Delboy, <laughs> yeah, like Delboy, yeah. So every, every all, all the all the old pros, um, when they have a story, they all mention that me wearing the suit skin. I I've, I heard I read about this. I think that there was a quote saying mm-hmm. you. I don't know if this is true or not, but um, somebody quoted you saying that you wore the sheepskin to show just how much you were ready to leave the club. <laughs> the truth in that. <laughs> Uh, no, 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 it's just, it's just to wind everyone up. Right. And, and, and another, uh, another funny one was when uh, we trained, and I trained in a pair of training shoes, and it was muddy, it was like ice skating, and I was like rolling Richard Shaw for fun. <laughs> I, I was getting nightmares. <laughs> but you, you must have had some laughs back in those days, Andy, because play, players could get away with a lot back then. These days, you know, you got social media and people taking photographs wherever and yeah, you know, yeah, it's, all, it's all frowned upon but you, you played in probably the best era of football and um, 
Hey, listen, Andy, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Before we go, one more thing. Um, do you still watch the Palace? Do you still go to Selhurst Park? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I buy my tickets, by the way. They don't give me free tickets. Blimey. So where, where do you sit normally? Anywhere. Anywhere. I, what change I've got to get a ticket? Well, the next time we, we'll be watching Palace on television, we'll look for you with the ultras, right? All right, no problem. Wonderful. Andy, well, look, it's been an absolute pleasure, sir. Thank you very much for your time. And uh, f- please feel free to come back on again on our, sh- our show. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much, okay, Andy. Yeah, it's been yeah. brilliant, Andy. Thank you. Bye-bye. You have a good See evening. Ya. Take care. Bye-bye. Excellent. So that was the Andy Gray, once off Palace, Spurs, Villa. QPR, Villa. That, that was fantastic. That was good. Absolutely fantastic. Um, so yeah, gents, would you like to give you any plugs before we go? Uh, no, I'll just give my Twitter handle, Twitter handle at Del Pieri. Uh, at JC The Room. Fantastic. You can follow us at Shoot The Defence. Please visit our website, shootthedefence.com. We are on the FNX network. If you like gaming, if you like techie stuff, if you want to listen to other podcasts apart from ours, visit their website. It is absolutely brilliant. Um, hope you enjoyed our interview with Andy Gray. To me, it's been an absolute pleasure because I remember that 1990 semi-final against Liverpool. Yeah. And uh, I, I agree with him. I mean, as a United fan, I would naturally say my heart says the semi-final against Arsenal was, a, was the greatest. But for me, as a neutral, that game was fantastic. Go on YouTube, watch it. Type in Crystal Palace 4, Liverpool 3. Absolutely fantastic. Guys, thank you very much for appearing. And uh, we'll be back pretty soon. Yes, good night, everyone. Good night from me. See ya.